Hello, and welcome to the latest in our Impact Wave podcast series, Making an Impact. I'm Karen Talamelli, and today we will be talking about financial literacy. In 2003, the United States Senate passed a resolution designated April as Financial Literacy Month. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome today's guest, Christian Sherrill. Christian is the director of Partnerships and Advocacy at NextGen Personal Finance. Welcome, Christian. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Um, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and NextGen Personal Finance. Absolutely. And before I start, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and connect with your audience. Really appreciate it. And it's been so good to get to work with you on this and uh, in the last couple of weeks working on financial literacy in the state of Connecticut. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, exactly. so my name, yeah, yeah, we got to make it happen. Um, yeah. It's looking good. So uh, my name is Christian. I am representing NextGen Personal Finance, as mentioned in your kind introduction. We are a nonprofit based in California, but we work in all 50 states. I myself live in New York uh, and travel all over the place advocating for personal finance to be a graduation requirement for high school students. And to facilitate that, we offer free curriculum for personal finance classes, as well as free professional development for educators to help build content knowledge and confidence to teach personal finance. That's wonderful. And, um, you know, I love the fact that you're, um, if you could tell us about that curriculum and, you know, the fact that it is so readily available for use for educators and teachers, you know, I, I found that particularly, um, you know, almost refreshing. It speaks to, to your commitment and, and um, passion for financial literacy and the need for it because financial literacy um, takes on a wide range of topics, that doesn't it? I mean, between from budgeting to wills to stocks, um, but it's the tools to give someone um, a more confident, hopeful future. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it kind of follows the life cycle, the life story of a young person coming up today. So actually our curriculum starts with, uh, on our semester course, for example, it actually starts with what is the most relatable thing for a young person to think about? And that is values around money. So we actually start with behavioral economics. How do my values, how do my experiences guide the decisions that I'm making about money, whether or not I have a lot of technical background knowledge on personal finance. As a young person, I can engage in that conversation. I can do the classroom experiments where we look at different behavioral economics concepts and I can participate in that conversation. From there, we go to where are students today? Many students, especially you know juniors and seniors, are earning a paycheck, right? They are working part-time after school or you know, in some cases working pretty long hours. Uh, and they're earning a paycheck. Where do those taxes go? What are the different line items on my pay stub? Uh, what are deductions and all of this? Uh, making sense of you know the value of my time uh, as uh, an employee. And from there, again, we just follow the sort of life story of a young person. What research shows in terms of what curriculum works best uh, and when 
the time curriculum in personal finance, the closer you are to actually having to use what you're learning in your classroom to make a real financial decision, the better retention will be. So for example, it's probably not wise. I, I mean, I don't want to tell you what to do if you're a teacher, but it's probably not wise to start with, you know, living wills. Right. <laughs> when you start your personal finance class, just because it's so far in the future, you want to start with where kids are. And then speaking to the accessibility, I mean, if you look, and we do this every year, and I know that we're going to get into this during our conversation, if you look at who has access to personal finance courses today, when you look at schools with large percentages of students who are eligible for free and reduced lunch, which is a proxy for you know the income level uh, in their communities, generally speaking, poorer communities, students have less access to personal finance education. There are a lot of factors, of course, that go into that inequity. We don't want to contribute to that inequity. So that's why we keep all of our resources free forever and really accessible. So they're all just in Google Drive formats. You can make a copy if you're a teacher, you can make a copy of any of our resources, customize them to meet the needs of your students and boom, they are ready for your classroom. Uh, we also offer them in Spanish. So English and, and Spanish resources for teachers and students everywhere. That's great. And like you said, when it's relatable, whether it be that first paycheck, and a lot of times this conversation isn't um, happening at home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, as it was discussed um, recently at the press conference, you and I had a lot of students are taking these lessons home to their families, which is great. Um, and giving the tools, like you said, in high school, you're probably having your first job and whatever. But as soon as you go into college or a little further, you're being introduced to credit cards and you hear you, know, you have no concept of what interest in due dates and the that ignorance could you know, follows you down the road when you're looking to, uh, you know, perhaps purchase a house or make a big, big purchase. And you're creating a, um, a credit score a report that if, if you don't know what that is you could be negatively impacting your future yeah absolutely it's it reminds me of that uh i don't know if you have ashton kutcher on your uh on your podcast ever but there was an ashton kutcher movie i think it was uh back in the day the butterfly effect right these decisions that we make as 16 17 18 year olds they do have a lasting impact, especially when it comes to the more costly decisions, like what the heck am I gonna do after I graduate from high school? And how am I gonna pay for whatever that next step is? Yeah. Huge consequences. It is, and as you mentioned, Ashton Kutcher, if he is listening, he's, available, he's welcome at any time. <laughs> but big, big names, you got Karen Talamelli on this podcast. <laughs> You've uh, run DMC on this podcast, have you not? Yes, we have. So, you know. And I, now I, Christian I, Cheryl. So, you know, come on. <laughs> I didn't want to say it myself. Yeah. But, but Next Gen has been um, pretty successful. I, I, you know, I believe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, the goal is to get this financial literacy course in all 50 states um, available to all 
you know, graduating seniors, um, at least. Uh, and you've been quite successful so far. Do you want to? So far, yes. Uh, and, and I should say, you know, before I uh, dive in and answer here that we've been successful, yes, but it, it is certainly, uh, you know, the phrase, it takes a village. And there's a pretty big and inspiring coalition of organizations and leaders who are thinking and working on this. And GPF happens to be one of them. And we've had some success, as you mentioned, um, but certainly not uh, going at this alone. In fact, um, one of the organizations that I want to give a shout out to, if I could, uh, is the National Endowment for Financial Education, NIFI for short. Um, actually, that, that Senate decree back in 2003 was the product of their work. So they, they actually started Financial Literacy Awareness Month in the United States, which has, and among many other plaudits mm -hmm. for that organization, that has led to dramatic uh, change and momentum. But speaking to you know, recent changes and momentum that we've seen in the movement to guarantee all students a personal finance course, I personally started at NGPF in 2017. Uh, and at the time, there were five states that guaranteed a personal finance course of at least one semester for all high school students. Today, uh, and this may have even grown since we recorded this, you know, between recording and when folks are listening, that has climbed to 17 states. That's it's amazing. It's incredible, right? And, and we have a ways to go, right? Because it's all yeah. 50 states plus DC. Uh, because all students deserve this course. It's a really popular idea, but as you are aware, uh, even the most popular ideas, they take time and they take a lot of hard work and you have to cut through a lot of red tape in order to implement those really popular ideas. So that's what we're working on now. Um, one of the things that we do is we created a, a separate organization that's affiliated called NGPF Mission 2030 Fund. Uh, and this is a different type of nonprofit that allows us to do grassroots lobbying. So what we do is we work with lobbying organizations in state legislatures, and we go make contact with state lawmakers to persuade and educate and help lawmakers introduce these bills in their state legislatures. So this year we're working in 13 states. I believe last year we worked in 11 states and four of them we got to the finish line with a graduation requirement for personal finance. Uh, this year we're hoping that we'll be able to help persuade even more states to jump on board this incredibly important mission. Uh, like I mentioned, it's really popular, but beyond popularity, just think of the need. Today, teenagers are and I don't mean to paint young people with a broad brush, but teenagers spend an inordinate amount of time on social media like TikTok and Instagram. And oftentimes they are learning about money and money concepts on those social media platforms. As you can imagine, with social media, you have all of the world's information at your fingertips. <laughs> but yeah. you, you have all of the world's information at your fingertips, not all of which is accurate. Uh, or useful information, um, and yet young people are making decisions based on that information. You know, the famous example uh, of this is, you know, cryptocurrency pump and dump schemes uh, proliferating on TikTok, or 
um, retirement scams proliferating on Instagram stories and TikTok reels. Um, so it, it, the need is pretty evergreen. We all need to learn about money, but the need is also emerging with these new trends in personal finance and new emerging almost threats to young people's financial health. So we foresee the momentum building here uh, and we're gonna keep pushing uh, to ensure that that momentum continues to build. Yeah, and with some of the, it, it's interesting and that that's a great point because there's, um, you know, all types of information. And if you don't even know enough to discern right and wrong and, you know, just clear concepts, but there's almost a new challenge with the what um, social media has brought to um, the ease of doing your banking online, everything, you know, there's, there's no real currency. It's it, um, stocks. I mean, you, you know, somebody without much knowledge could just jump on and, and be making stock trades and not really knowing. Um, so, you know, I think that this is so important. Um, like you said, you know, you are on next gen personal finance is is a leader, but not um, doesn't work in a silo works with a lot of people. But I think this is so important because the lack of it, the ignorance is far costlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, without question. And I can speak to that personally, too. You know, I, I didn't have this course in high school. I don't know about you, Karen. Did you? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, and anyway, we won't get into that. I didn't even have computers probably then. So. <laughs> well, regardless, I mean, yeah. I just think of all of the financial decisions, big and small, that I've made, you know, since I was 16, 17, 18. And the big ones, the decisions I made, even just with some small changes, within those big decisions, I could have saved myself hundreds, thousands of dollars in interest on student loans, for example, had I been a little uh, smarter and, and made a little bit more informed decision about um, how to borrow and when. Uh, even though student loans are pretty ubiquitous today, uh, you know, I still reflect back on that decision when I was much younger and think, gosh, um, I wish I had known. I wish I had known a little bit more before I went and made some of these big and costly decisions. No, absolutely. In fact, I, I was, you know, quite fortunate that one of my first jobs was for um, a credit office, and then I went to work for the credit bureau. But I had a unique perspective and an incredible um, opportunity, and just from that. You know, so often I worked with people who were um, suffering from bad decisions. You know, you saw it all. You saw opportunities. And it that was um, just a unique perspective um, th that, you know, like you said, even with the course, you're not um, just exposed to. And most people don't think of it until it's a problem. I mean, just something simple of, um, you know, just the knowledge that you were car insurance rates are based on your credit score. Right, right. You know, or it's at least one big factor in it. Um, and it affects, and, and that will affect, you know, most, you know, people, you know, regardless of age. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with each, you know, sort of mundane technical part of personal finance, 
just like with the Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher movie. Come on, Ashton, where, where are you on the podcast? Come on, man. Yeah. You know, it has, it has those butterfly effects on uh, all of these perhaps unintended parts of our lives, but it very much, uh, you know, these decisions have consequences far beyond what we imagine when we are making those decisions in some cases. And, and you don't get that at a home often. I mean, you didn't spoke, speak of that um, like in my family, you know, growing up and whether you have money or the lack thereof, oftentimes it's just not an education you get at home. Um, yeah. You know, so not having that available and just kind of going like you said, when your first paycheck comes in and you wonder, well, I was supposed to be making X amount of dollars per hour. <laughs> How come I'm not getting that? Mm. Uh, you know, learning on the fly is probably not the best <laughs> Totally. There's this great teacher we work with uh, in Wisconsin. I, I don't know if this is original to her, but uh, a shout out to Carrie Harold uh, in Wisconsin. She has this great joke. She says, my net pay is really gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a sucker for that kind of, uh, you know. Point. Oh, me too. Don't get me going. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> But speaking, speaking of these conversations at home, I mean, part of the genesis of NGPF, uh, the co-founder, his name is Tim Ranzetta. He started a volunteer teaching a personal finance class at a school that was serving first generation college applicants. And two things he learned when he first started volunteer teaching this course. Number one, even the students who in all their other courses were very disengaged and in some cases you know, we're having some behavioral challenges. Even those students were ready to rock in a personal finance class because the instruction is related and relevant to their actual lived experiences, their actual lives. It's going to be useful. That's the first thing he learned. Every kid was engaging in that class. The second thing he learned was that, and, and he was surprised to see this, um, but it kind of makes sense, you know, years later, Students were taking these lessons they were learning in his personal finance class home. And they were starting conversations with their parents about money. They never had these conversations before because it's kind of a taboo um, subject. And, and there are also you know, cultural implications um, in different families and family units, right? That uh, make talking about money really, uh, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was... Uh, in part, breaking through some of those barriers to have a multi-generational impact on consumers uh, and communities uh, that those consumers are part of. So it's just such a, an inspiring start. Uh, and from there, we've been off to the races. Tim met um, Jessica Endlich, who's the other co-founder. She was one of the youngest principals in New York City Department of Education history. Um, she is an incredible, you know, visionary leader in education. They joined forces and what became NGPF, I don't know how many years ago uh, this happened. I think that was back in 2014 when they joined forces. Um, and that's, that's what formed NGPF. So the genesis of this is really we're making an impact on all kids and we're having this added impact on communities. Let's uh, expand access so all communities can benefit from this. That is so cool. I could see the, when you have everyone engaged and looking, it just 
gives you hope and inspiration for all kinds of doors to be open for, for a future. Yeah. I can't even imagine starting a business and, you know, you could think that, you know, oh my gosh, I could do that. If I have a budget, I could build some money and really, you know, I can't even imagine um, what a brighter future that, well, clearly, because um, to be engaged, you have to make it personal, yeah. right? It's going to really affect you. It's not like, um, no offense to any geometry teacher, you know, different angles that what am I going to do with this? But when you teach personal finance, these are lessons for life and for a better life and a bright future. So that is really cool. Does NextGen have anything, um, you know, any special um, events or initiatives for um, financial literacy month? We do. Yes. I'm really glad that you asked. Thank you. So <laughs> financial literacy month for NGPF, as you can imagine, is a big, big deal for us. It's kind of like a, a holiday, you know, for <laughs> yeah. celebrate uh, big time. So we've got a bunch of uh, really exciting things going on. Of course, we're always going to be releasing new curriculum uh, uh, within our semester course and beyond. Um, and so certainly expect more new great resources for your classroom. But specifically for Financial Literacy Month, we've got a bunch going on. The first thing is uh, we've launched our 2023 uh, State of Financial Education report, which is a research report showing at a school by school level, which schools are guaranteeing all students take a personal finance class, which schools offer it as an elective, which schools are including it as less than one semester as part of another course, and which schools don't currently offer anything to do with personal finance. And we give uh, an overall nationwide analysis uh, of those trends. The second thing, and I can get into the, the you know some of the key takeaways of that um, shortly, but the second thing we're doing is a big event for teachers uh, on April 29th. We're calling it Hot Topics in Financial Education. One of which is um, buy now, pay later. So, you know, uh, people going through the checkout process online and increasingly actually uh, in person when they're shopping at brick and mortar stores, splitting their payments into installments via buy now, pay later apps, which sounds convenient and nice. And maybe it could save you some money in the short term. But just like many financial decisions, it has downstream consequences. So let's talk about and let's talk about how we broach the subject with our students. So we're going to cover hot topics like buy now, pay later, and how do you talk about it with your students on the 29th. We're doing a social media competition. Uh, we have a new oh, cool. documentary out this school year um, that features student advocates for a personal finance class. And so we're giving out uh, gift cards for popcorn parties so teachers can give out uh, popcorn to have screenings of the documentary in their classrooms. Uh, and it's really inspiring just hearing from young people who care about this course enough to go advocate for it at their state legislature or in their school district or what have you. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and it's wonderful to hear from young advocates. Um, we are doing a series of staff favorite resources, uh, a calendar. So. If you want to check out some, you know, bite-sized resources, maybe a class period, uh, maybe just 20 minutes of a class period uh, to start doing some more financial literacy activities in your classroom, we'll have you covered with a calendar of staff 
favorite resources from NGPF. And gosh, what else have we got going on? Oh, we have bingo boards. Um, <laughs> okay. Always a favorite. <laughs> yeah, you can have some um, basically financial discussions. You know, you get kids going around with their bingo boards in the classroom and the way that they check off their bingo tiles is by having the conversation about whatever each tile represents uh, with a peer. So it's a good way to kick off some conversations with students kind of informally and in a fun, engaging way for Financial Literacy Month. Uh, and of course, we're always putting out exciting things on our social media. We've got some top secret uh, announcements that I can't yet <laughs> about. But, uh, so subscribe you know, to the blog and check out our social media. I know that Karen is going to be sharing the social media uh, pieces on the banner here. So give us a follow. That sounds great. Well, I'm really thrilled to um, have you here. Um, and speaking of, about this, um, just you know, to, to help raise awareness for this very important, you know, topic uh, that you know is not um, often discussed, you know, as much as perhaps you know it's irrelevant. Is there, um, before we kind of sign off, is there anything else that you would like to um, make sure that we get out to our audience? Sure. Um, the big one that I want to share is mm -hmm. our, our bill tracker. So okay. I believe that we've got a banner with the info. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Karen, that historically, in the US, we have not talked about this enough, but that is changing. We've got uh, this bill tracker for any advocates who are interested. You can see on one screen, one interactive map, all of the financial education related bills that are working their way through state legislatures right now. And you get up to the day updates on what's happening with those bills, including hearing notices, uh, oftentimes there will be events like bill signings uh, with governors in different states that will publicize on there. And you can also just generally track what are the things that are happening in the state legislature in financial education in my state right now. So, yes, it hasn't historically happened. We're going to change that and we need your help to do so. So take a look, find out what's happening in your state. And thank you, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> because it is different. It's not, there's not a, a cookie cutter, one size fits all right. to this, you know, large, you know, country that we're in, you know, the states are different, the, you know, the needs are different. I'm sure you have to be, you know, responsive to that, the constituents. I mean, even in my state, you know, th there's 169, you know, cities and educational departments. It's not very regionalized. And to try to meet the needs and be respectful of that, um, you know, is literally state by state, right? Yep, state by state and district by district. So whenever our NGPF Mission 2030 Fund team goes and advocates at a state, we say, Yes, we want every single student to take a standalone personal finance course of at least one semester, but, well, because that's what students need and what they're demanding from their education system. But let's get creative about where this course can fit within the state's existing 
graduation requirements and leave that decision up to individual districts. Let's get creative about what curriculum you use. We're never going to tell you, you got to use NGPF curriculum, even though we think it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, 80,000 teachers or so are using it and they think it's amazing too. Uh, anyway, we're never going to mm -hmm. tell you, uh, you got to use our curriculum. That decision is up to local districts. And lastly, a big piece of flexibility around teacher certifications to teach this course. What licensure permits a teacher to teach a personal finance course, that needs to be left up to local districts as well, because how they solve the implementation puzzle is going to vary from one district to another. And that's good. That is good. Local control and education, is a, there's a long tradition of it in this country, and it's good. It allows local communities to have influence over what their schools and districts are teaching their children. Simultaneously, personal finance, about 90% of voters think it's an urgent need as a graduation requirement. So <laughs> um, we can okay. put all of this flexibility in, but also recognize team, this is a burning need and we have to get this in place um, urgently. Oh, exactly. I mean, just inserting my personal opinion. I, you know, I again, I've said it. I think the cost of not doing so yeah. is is much higher <laughs> than giving this, you know, the, the opportunity to do so. Without question. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today. It is is a pleasure, Christian. It's been wonderful to see you in action. I'm um, thrilled to have you here with this information. Um, and hope you'll come back when to uh, <laughs> celebrate a couple more states coming on board to get out this yes. urgent uh, message. I look forward to it. You might see a few more gray hairs here, but uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep pushing. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit better and share my passion for this. And thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kristen Sherrill, for joining me today. I wish you and your team um, all the best in the effort to raise awareness for this very important issue of financial literacy. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed the conversation, please give us a like and subscribe to our channel and hope to see you next time. Thank you, Christian.